0: I'm just getting kind of sick of it. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. So we're at day whatever of stay-at-home and quarantine. I'm not counting. I quit counting. Because why? Because why count? What am I counting to? When do I get to the number that I'm all excited that I hit? I can't count backwards. If I knew I could count backwards, if I knew when something was ending, I could start with five, four, and the excitement would build three, Two, and we'd be ready for a blast-off, or we'd be ready for a surprise, or we'd be ready for the end of the game and the buzzer beater and the final score showing us as the winner. But I can't count backwards because I don't know when this is going to (sighs) end. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've been thinking about Easter, which is coming up. This is going to air the Monday before Easter. We have a week where we think about what happened years and years and years ago when the best story was ever written. So as I've been thinking about that, as I've been thinking about Easter and about the story that is yet to come... The one where we aren't going to be dealing with sickness any longer. The one where we're not going to be dealing with death. The one where in Revelation 21 and 22, it describes to us a new place. In fact, I wasn't planning on reading there, but let me just turn in my Bible there quickly because this is kind of a feeling of hope. This is what we read in Revelation chapter 21. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy. And true. That's what we're waiting for. But we also don't know when to start our countdown backwards. (laughs) We're also not sure if we can say 10, 9, 8. I grew up as a kid thinking, well, everybody grew up as a kid, right? (laughs) But when I was a child, I remember wondering, when will this world end? When will this earth as we know it end, and when will Christ come back? Because I had heard teachings that Christ was going to come with a shout and a trumpet, and the dead in Christ were going to rise first, and and those who are alive would together meet them in the air. That's Thessalonians. That isn't me making this up. But I remembered hearing teachings of that, and I remember being afraid, and I knew I didn't want it to happen when I wasn't ready. And I had watched a movie that said, you know, I wish we'd all been ready. And I was scared to death that maybe I wouldn't be, but I knew that I would be because I was trusting in Jesus. But still, I was a little bit afraid that I wouldn't be. And I'd come home and something would look a little bit off. And I thought for sure the whole family was gone and I was left to fend for myself. There was kind of moments of fear when I thought about the end times. And now when we... Look around at the world around us, and every day we hear more reports of those who have passed away. Every day we hear dismal predictions. It could be cause for fear. I think what makes it most difficult is what I said right at the beginning. We don't know when this is going to end. We can't count backwards. So, what do we do in the meantime? we wait. We obey the things we're told to do. We stay home. We wash our hands. We social distance. We obey those things. But even in our obedience, what are we doing? We wait. And we as a people are not set up for that very well. In fact, it's getting worse and worse. Our society has turned us into instantaneous gratification seekers. If that's a thing. <laughs> we don't wait for anything. I've told many times when I've been out speaking places <laughs> about the story of mayonnaise and how that represents our inability to wait. Years ago, if my grandma was going to make a sandwich, And she wanted to put mayonnaise on her bread that she had hand-baked and had to wait to let rise. Years ago, what she would do is she would find some eggs, she'd find some oil, she'd find whatever else she needed, probably salt. I don't know. I'm not going to say any more probablys. She'd find whatever else she needed to make mayonnaise, right? And she'd whip up a batch of mayonnaise and she'd put it on her bread. Well, the generation passed. My mom, let's say, was going to make a sandwich. Let's say she had a hankerin' for some turkey and Swiss. And I know what bread she put it on. She absolutely would not, my mother, would absolutely not use Wonder Bread, though it looked very exciting to me when we'd go to the store and you'd see the little round circles that looked like balloons and it looked like a party just about ready to happen. And my mom would walk past that bread with disdain and say, we're not going to get that. And she'd pick up something crunchy. But well, if she was going to get mayonnaise, what she would do is she'd go down the aisle that had mayonnaise, she'd look at it, she'd take it off the shelf, and then she'd bring it home. And when she wanted to make a sandwich, she would take mayonnaise off the shelf, unscrew the lid, find a knife, scoop it out, put it on the bread, and smooth it over. Well, another generation passes, and I'm going to make a sandwich But I'm not going to have to go to the store and look for a jar of mayonnaise. No, because by now, we are a generation that cannot wait when we make our sandwiches to take a jar and unscrew a lid and find a knife and, and stick it in to spread it out. No, this is too much work for us. We are in a rush. We are in a hurry. So what we need to do is we need to get squeeze bottle mayonnaise, and that's what we have. So I'll go to the store, and I'll get my squeeze bottle mayonnaise, and it's time for me to make my sandwich. I will take that mayonnaise jar out of the door of my refrigerator. I will flip it upside down, and I'll give it a shake or two, and then I'll squirt it onto my sandwich and kind of make a little design, and I will be ready to go. But that still is not fast enough for me. No, in time, mayonnaise kind of gets together. Mayo gets together and they calls a meeting and everybody gathers around this big conference table and we have mayo there and and we have ketchup and we have mustard and, and they all sit together and they say, you know what? We need to do something for our people. Do you see how busy they are? Do you see how difficult it is for them to wait when they make a sandwich? They flip us over and they have to shake and shake and shake in order for us to get out of the bottle. So here's what I'm willing to do, says Mayonnaise as the leader. I am willing to stand on my head inside that refrigerator. So when it is time for my person to make their sandwich, all they need to do is open up the lid and squeeze me out and I'm ready to go. And ketchup is there and they're like, I'm in. And Mustard's like, me too. And Relish is like, okay. And everyone's like, you're not gonna be that great at it. And Shampoo goes, okay. I could try. And everyone's like, wait, how did shampoo get here? But this is the evolution that we've been a part of, people. (laughs) We we don't have time to make mail. We don't have time to get it out of a jar. We don't have time to just, in fact, flip it upside down and shake it. We are used to stuff getting done now, 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 and now. And so if you, like me, have been sitting in your house if you, like me, have been working online and doing Zoom after Zoom after Zoom meeting, if you, like me, are tired of listening to the news and are wondering, when is this going to end? It is no surprise. It is no surprise that we are having a hard time waiting because we are watching a disaster unfold, and it's very disconcerting. So what do we do? I was talking with my niece's soccer team earlier this week. She had asked me to give a devotional with them over Zoom, which was super fun. And I had planned on talking about one thing, but, you know, as I was preparing for it, I just kept thinking of a word in my mind that I was struggling with. And it's a word that I'm guessing that we all have maybe either thought or felt in these past few weeks. The word is discontent. I've been feeling discontent. I looked up discontent to see, in fact, if that was what I was feeling, and I I was. (laughs) Discontent is defined as this, a restless longing for better circumstances. We are living in a land of discontent. We have this restless longing for better circumstances, but what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? We can look in God's Word and see verse after verse after verse after verse telling us to wait on the Lord, to wait for Him to act. So what do we do while we have this restless longing? What do we do in the midst of our waiting? Well, the opposite of discontent is clear it's content. Here we are, online school right here. (laughs) The opposite of discontent is being content. What is contentment? To be satisfied, but more importantly, listen to this definition. I love this one. Being content is desiring no more than what one has. Desiring no more than what one has. Now, I think it is Perfectly fine and perfectly appropriate for us to want healing in our land. Don't get me wrong. We have this restless longing for things to be well, for things to be right, for things to be good, for things to be, even as I read in Revelation when we started today, to be as they are meant to be. Our world is broken. We are waiting for the new creation. Things aren't, this is not Eden. Things aren't the way that they were intended to be. Sin has come in and it's messed it up and it's not just messed up people, it's messed up our world and our earth and everything around us and viruses are here. So it's natural for us to have this longing for what's yet to come. But in the meantime, what do we do? What do we do in the meantime when we can't count down, when we don't know where this is going to end? We can take a lesson from the Apostle Paul. He was writing in Philippians chapter 4 about this very thing. The Apostle Paul writes, starting in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, "...I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty." or in want, and I'm going to pause there for a minute. The Apostle Paul lived a life where many times over, he didn't know the countdown. He was put in prison. He didn't know how it was going to end. He's put in prison with his friends and the door is slammed shut. He doesn't know that he's living in the book of Acts and there's going to be a big earthquake and he's going to get out. He doesn't know and in his not knowing, he sings. In his not knowing, he rests. Why and how? Verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Another version says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? In context here, It means he can be content. So, when we wake up in the morning and we hear the news and it brings great discouragement, when we have reason to fear and good reason to fear, when we're not feeling well, when we hear of someone that we know and love getting a diagnosis that we would rather they not receive... When we have friends going to the hospital for unrelated issues, but serious issues, and we're concerned about them and their health. When we're having a hard time tracking what is it we're supposed to do, and what is it that we're not supposed to do? And when we're stuck in the house with all these kids who need to learn stuff, and we're not a teacher... And when we're just sad, and when we're just scared, and when we're just confused, and when we are angry, and when we are frustrated, what do we do? How can we be content? How can we rid ourselves of this restless longing for better circumstances? We don't. (laughs) We, We can't. Can I say that that restless longing is an invitation for us? It's an invitation for—what am I saying, invitation? It's an invitation. (laughs) It's an invitation to us, again. It's an invitation to recognize that our satisfaction and our content is only going to come because of Christ. And this week, we can be reminded of the fact— that it's coming because of Christ, because of what he did. Christ did the ultimate. He came, he lived, he lived a perfect life. He died a voluntary death for us to pay the penalty for our sin. And he was dead and he was buried. And then he rose again. He rose again because he did not deserve to die. Because those who deserve to die, it says this in Scripture, the wages of sin is death. So if you sin, death is what comes next. That's just what naturally follows. But this Easter week, we know of one who died but did not stay dead because he could not stay dead, because he was perfect. He was without sin. And as the one without sin, Christ rose again, conquering sin, conquering death, extending to us the invitation to salvation, which will complete the longings in our heart. He makes it possible for us to live with him, as we read at the beginning, to live with him being our God, with us being his people, to live with him in this perfect new creation, that he is making and preparing for us. So if you are feeling a dissatisfaction, yes, that's true because we're living in a broken world. But even in the midst of it, even in the meantime, we can, like Paul, learn to be content in the circumstances knowing that there is something that is yet ahead. And Easter draws our heart toward that. And it focuses on the fact that death does not win sin does not win destruction does not win evil does not win lies don't win satan does not win christ is the victor christ is the one who has conquered the grave thanks be to god for that indescribable gift and as we look ahead to this week in celebration may our hearts be drawn as we feel this discouragement May our hearts be drawn to the victor, to the one who is the resurrection and the life. May our hearts be drawn to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. While we wait, let's wait on him. Let's wait in him. Let's wait for him. And in the meantime, make great use of every opportunity to act in love, to be kind, and to proclaim his great name. Jesus, we love you. I am so thankful for who you are. I'm so grateful for the salvation that you have offered to me. Lord, I'm grateful that we can rest and trust in you. I'm grateful to know you, to love you, to be known by you, and to be loved by you. And Lord, as, as I wait, as my friends wait, as we wait not being able to count down to the end, Lord, may we find our satisfaction in you. May we learn to be content in this circumstance, knowing that we have a God who loves us, who knows us, and is powerful enough to conquer sin and death in the grave. We celebrate you this week. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.